If a couple in real trouble came to you and asked, what will it take to bring restoration to my life and my marriage? What would you tell them? Would you tell them that what they both really need is a desperate desire for righteousness? Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life. Sean and Susan were pretty typical Bible Belt churchgoers. Church was a normal part of their lives, but what they really craved was success and achieving their goal of a happy life. They were pretty content to leave God on the margins of their lives. That is, until Sean's sin was exposed. When, when that devastation came in and I was exposed and blew up in our marriage, I was like, okay, what is going on? I've gone to church. I, I've had some semblance of praying, I guess, or whatever. Why am I crossing lines? Why did I cross lines that I would never cross before? What is wrong with me? And so that's really what started the seeking um, was to really try to understand, how could I do that? I didn't know any answers, but that just kind of provoked me to go to, how, what's wrong? What's going on? The pain of Sean's exposure did something really powerful inside both Sean and Susan. Suddenly, just being nominal Christians was not going to cut it for either one of them. They became hungry for a real life in God. You know, some people associate hunger with a really not good thing, but hunger is actually a really good thing, not only for your body physically, but spiritually. To be hungry for something, like, purifies it, right? Makes it, like, hurt and be deeper than just being content with mediocrity and everyday. In episode five of our series, Ashes to Beauty, Sean and Susan Smith talk about why becoming hungry for righteousness was such a powerful thing in their own lives and in their marriage. That's what's coming up. Here we go. All right, so this is the fifth episode in our latest series, Ashes to Beauty, and with me today in the studio, Sean and Susan Smith. Sean and Susan, you both graduated from our counseling programs back in 2007, I believe, and you're also both uh, certified biblical counselors. So mm -hmm. thank you guys for coming in to talk with us. Thank you. Glad to be here, Nate. Okay, so before we get into the theme today, I just wanted to maybe give people a little chance to get to know you guys. Um, if somebody had just kind of looked in on your marriage 17 years ago before you came to Pure Life Ministries, what do you think they would have seen? I think people looking into our marriage at that time would see um, a normal, happy couple. We, when we got married, we started dating, and from the very beginning, uh, we kind of clicked, we were friends. And, um, you know, so we got married and ventured into life together. And we just thought it was all about having a life partner. I mean, marriage was, was important to us. And we had our partners and we kind of checked that box of our lives off, or at least I did. And uh, along with the other items that I needed to check off, like a job and success and all the other things that were taught from, from grade school all the way up to be successful, right? And so mm. uh, that was kind of a, a, an early step into our marriage. And you know, Susan was the model wife. She was super uh, loving and smiling and happy. She did, had her job. I had my job. And it was just kind of working. 
So we had great friend groups. Um, we had um, a church family. And so it was really, I, I think someone looking into it would go, you know what, that's a, that's a good family. That's a good marriage. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think we were happy and yeah. we were definitely in love and definitely appeared to have the image of like this American dream, you know, two cars and looking to buy a first home and hopefully have a family eventually. But I think like both of us kind of knew that this was going to last a while, but there was there was that rub every once in a while, like, okay, I want this, you want that. And we didn't really have a way to like solve it because we were both very selfish, which a lot of people struggle with when they first get married. Like, how do you combine two lives? But also, I think that we um, we definitely tried to bring the Lord in some, but He wasn't the most important thing, yeah. and that always caused a lot of conflict because we were, you know, definitely I, I thought in many ways divided. You know, He we both wanted the same things in a lot of ways, but we we kind of like didn't have that intimacy that only the Lord can bring because mm. He had His job, I had my job. You know, we both wanted to have successful lives, but it wasn't. It wasn't founded on the right things, so we were happy. Yeah. But <laughs> when the crisis came, you know, we definitely weren't ready. So, yeah. yeah. So before the sexual sin thing hit, you guys were both. It sounds like you were both pretty satisfied. Like, yeah, there were issues and there were problems, but you know, you were kind of content with how things were. One hundred percent. That that would be the word that I would use at the time. Contentment was it, uh, I thought, anyway, at least in our marriage, right, at, at core, right. like, this is what life is. This is the next step of life, and I'm just going to uh, enjoy um, what it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so then sexual sin happens and just blows the whole thing apart. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we're doing this series, right, is because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who, and maybe they weren't even necessarily content before, but sexual sin has just done a huge, I mean, just destroyed their marriage. Yeah. And so what we're saying in this series is that God has power yeah. to totally transform yeah. and to rebuild and to restore. And the way He does it, though, is by taking two sinners, mm -hmm. a husband and a wife, and leading them down a path of transformation where they both are becoming conformed to the image of Jesus. Right. For sure. Mm -hmm. And so that pathway, Jeff lays out in his book, the pathway is the Beatitudes. So yeah. blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is blessed are those who hunger, hunger and thirst for righteousness. So interesting, before sexual sin, you guys are pretty content, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. What was it then that made you hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Well, you, you mentioned it, right? I mean, when sexual sin came in and I was fully exposed for just hiding all of this for years, um, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I had nothing. No one in my life came forward and said that I can help you. I had people in my life coming in saying, you're in trouble, right? But um, 
several folks came in and would look at our marriage and say, mm, this, is, this is devastating, right? I mean, she, she's not even talking. I don't even have to process what's happening at this point. But I knew at that point something was wrong with me. And I mentioned the word content in the marriage because I didn't know any different, right? I think that's part of this whole thing is that you just kind of bebop through life and you don't realize what else the Lord has for you. And this, when, when that devastation came in and I was exposed and blew up in our marriage, I was like, okay, what is going on? I've gone to church. I, I've had some semblance of praying, I guess, or whatever. Why am I crossing lines? Why did I cross lines that I would never cross before? What is wrong with me? And so that's really what started the seeking um, was to really try to understand how could I do that? How could I really do I didn't know any answers, but that just kind of provoked me to go to how, what's wrong? What's going on? Mm. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like a search for when you've been lied to um, so much as a wife, it's like you're so thirsty and hungry for truth because you feel like if I don't get truth, how am I going to survive in this world? Like I, I won't trust anybody and mm. you know my the the man that I've given my life to all of a sudden is like said, "Well, I've actually been lying about all this." And it's like you just want truth. And for me, that that began the hunger and thirst for truth. I I would say I, I was content not really being hungry before that. I knew of the Lord, and and I definitely had given my life to Him, but I wasn't sold out, and I didn't have this hunger. I was fine with snacks, you know what Mm. I mean? I didn't want a feast. I just wanted like a little bit here and there. And then it was when the bomb dropped, and he's like, I lied about this, this, and this, and this, and this. It was like, I have to have truth. And for me, that's when I turned to Pure Life because I knew it was biblical counseling. I didn't want to go to psychology because I knew it would be man's theory. I mean, how do I know that's not going to not be, <laughs> you know, a lie also? Mm-hmm. So that began my thirst and, and hunger um, and desperation. You know, I think when a wife hits that rock bottom, uh, she's just, she's desperate. And for me, I was like, where do I know the source of truth? Well, this is the Bible. You know, I haven't done a good job really being in it. But I knew for it was the grace of God just to know this is the way to go. You know, it, it's at that point where, when everything's exposed in the marriage and she is upset, she's expressing her anger, frustration, and I'm expressing just all the mess, right? You're just kind of like, poof, and you can't do anything else about it but expose the truth. Like, I'm sitting here trying to talk to her, and it's painful for her to hear those confessions that come out and all the things over the last, you know, five the time, five years of just confessing that she had no idea to, and I could not talk myself out of it. And so when she emphasizes truth, that I had no truth. I didn't know what truth was. My, my life was so full of lies and being able to control the narrative as I would speak and hide my sin for so many different years. When it was brought up, I, I had nowhere to hide anymore. Yeah, I remember like when I came into the program I think it was maybe somewhat similar to you, Sean. Like I'd grown up in the church, I'd heard all the stuff, and then I come to Pure Life and it's like suddenly a whole new realm opens up. It's like, oh, wow, my life is a mess, <laughs> you know? And, mm-hmm. and there's a way to, 
have a connection with God where his character becomes my character. I right. have to have this right. because I am just destroying people. I'm destroying myself. Everything about me is wrong. And that created like a desperation, not just to learn some stuff, but to become a different person, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think I hear some of that for you. Yeah, I mean, of course, coming to Pure Life was was the first step that the Lord opened up for me to really seek after Him, right? Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things would be added unto you. And so it's that in His righteousness part that I didn't fully understand. It was like, I can seek the kingdom of God, I'm going to Pure Life because they have biblical counseling, it's in the Bible, I'm going to go. And that really was the first step. But when, I, when, when I'm having those um, first couple of sessions in my counseling session and I'm just confessing more, he's like, enough for the confession. We know you're a mess. You're bigger than this sexual sin. I mean, your mess is bigger than this sexual sin. And uh, you don't hunger for God. And I'm like, yeah, so? Like, you have to. And I'm like, yeah, but how do you do that? Uh-huh. And I was encouraged at that time to just ask for it. Just ask to be hungry, right? No more can we make ourselves hunger for food. It was the same for God. At least that's the way I was encouraged to go sit in front of the, in my Bible and say, just ask the Lord what you're lacking. And my counselor just said, do that. Because I was honest with him. I said, I don't, I don't crave him. I don't mm. hunger for him. I don't, and of course, I read scriptures like taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's like, what does it even mean? But by faith, you sit there and you, you get over that and you're honest with the word and say, taste and see that the Lord is good. I don't know what that means, Lord, but would you make me hungry? And that really was a simple prayer of just making me want you, just mainly because someone got in my face and told me to do it. But there's something in there. It's like, all right, I'll try it because my mess. It wasn't just my sexual sin stuff. It was, it, it began to get bigger than that. And I was like, I can't bear up underneath this anymore. What's really going on? God, if you're saying that I need to be hungry for you, then you're going to have to give that to me. Mm. And I would say like neither one of us were hungry or thirsty. No, it wasn't like no. I was hungry and thirsty because a lot of times wives, we think, well, I'm not in sexual sin, so I'm cool. But I wasn't hungry or thirsty either. And I find that that's a lot of like how the Lord works, you know, until we're in crisis. Sometimes we don't get hungry and thirsty. You know, I've been reading lately this book, which is unrelated, but it's also, but it's talking about how we in America, because of the plentiful food we have, we don't really know what it's like to be hungry physically. Like we really rarely feel super hungry. And I, if I can, I draw the correlation with spiritual hunger I was content. I was never really hungry. Like I said, I was fine with snacks here and there every once in a while. A little mountaintop experience would be enough to like mm. just, you know, a little trail mix here and there. <laughs> um, but when you hit desperation, a crisis, which is what happened with us, it was like um, it didn't happen overnight. Right. But it was like, well, I guess this is my this is my warning sign. You know, I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to be in a wilderness for a little bit. Yep. And for us, you know, the Lord thankfully has kept us hungry and thirsty, but it didn't start that way. Right. And it wasn't like, it, you know, we, we were looking for it. But by mm. His grace, He gave it to us, That's which right. is a gift. Hmm. You know, some people associate hunger with a really not good thing. But again, 
Hunger is actually a really good thing, not only for your body physically, but spiritually. To be hungry for something, like, purifies it, right? Makes it, like, hurt and be deeper yeah. than just being content with mediocrity and every day. Yeah, and I think it doesn't always feel good. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. But it is good, you know, and yeah. I mean, I remember, I, I totally relate to that because I remember somebody brought out the, you know, the scripture where Jesus says, if you're thirsty, come to me and yeah. drink and I'll give you rivers of living water. And they were talking about how in America, we don't really know what thirst is. Right. Mm -hmm. But real thirst is like a, if I don't get something, I'm going to die. Yeah. yeah. Now that doesn't feel good, but that is good. Yeah. Because yes. that that drive, that insatiable desire becomes like a way to actually get what you need. Right. And and that and that's the focus, right? And in America there's so many choices and options, but when you're that desperate, you are so focused on that one thing. And I just chalk it up to the Lord, taking my pity little prayers and, and hers to just say, God make us hungry. And he mm. answered that to hone us in while all the noise is going, we're still throwing, I mean, we're still in a mess, right? We're still can't talk to each other on the phone. Like, we're a complete mess. But all it's back like, in the program. Yeah, but yeah. still, it's like, Lord, please make me hungry. Please make me hungry. If, if your word is true, that all these things would be added unto me, then I'm going to seek you with my whole heart. But I need, I need you to provoke that hunger, mm. to give me that drive. Okay, so... Fast forward maybe in your marriage to a year and a half, a year and a half after the program oh, yeah. or whatever, you know, and you've had real breakthroughs, both of you personally, like you're on the right track and sexual sin is definitely in the rear view mirror. It might not be like 10 miles back there, but it's, it's behind you. Yeah. Um, what does it mean to still be hungry and thirsty for righteousness, like as you're moving past that and you're kind of getting on with life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for me and, and us, we, God really came, came to us in a, in a powerful way. And, you know, when you go through such a, a focused trial, like sexual sin, the big ones, you know, we always have that. We are all kind of all focused in on that. But when those are in your rear view mirror, as you mentioned, there is a tendency to just say, I am, I'm good with that, I'm good. But the Lord in his mercy in that trial exposed way more than just sexual sin, mm -hmm. way more than just that, way more than just my selfishness or the way we you know, were falling apart. I was a mess deep down inside. So that's gonna keep going on until I see the Lord, right? Until we get on the other side of heaven, like that's gonna mm. be the war that we have. So now, I'm in a war, and the, I didn't realize that. So it's, it's almost like I saw two things. One, I saw just how devastating and awful and hurtful I can be. But I also saw the wonders, the mercy, the love of Christ in the situation. So I am believing God to be awesome going forward. And so the fight now is not against a particular sin, though on guard, <laughs> but it's more of dedicating our decisions, dedicating our life and our family to glorifying God as a whole. Whereas we were 
on a particular mission at that time to take care of sexual sin, but it means getting up. It means, Lord, seeking you first every day, putting you in every decision that we have, independent of the trial we're in or getting ready to go into. That is, is staying in the fight because you're fighting for that righteousness, not just against the sexual sin. Yeah, as a, as a wife, and I've heard this in my counseling and, I, and I've lived it, I think after pure life, there's like that, uh, I've been ruined, <laughs> yeah. ruined for Jesus. And yeah. it's like the words of Peter when the Lord's like, will you follow me? And he's like, you have the words of life, where else will we go? Yeah. That's kind of what we experienced yeah. a little bit, and we're nobody special. Right. Right. <laughs> I and mean, we didn't have any special sauce. It was just kind of like, <laughs> what else are we going to do? Yeah. You know, mm. like we know the truth now, and and to go back to your hunger analogy or thirst, when you receive that drink of water, it not only produces like, yes, I got relief, but it produces a gratitude of like, thank you for the water. The next time I drink it, I'm going to remember how good this was on my parched throat. Yeah. It was kind of like we were living in that, again, only by God's grace yeah. of this, like, now that we know, we can't turn our backs on it. Although there were many times I was like, this is hard. You know, it was easier when I didn't know this, <laughs> when I was just kind of head in the sand and like, we were just happy. Yeah. It was like we had, yeah. a, we had a greater calling on our life that we had to learn how to love and embrace this calling that the Lord had given us this mercy to come out of this horrible sexual sin that could have been divorce. It could have been our daughter, you know, being shuffled around from house to house. It could have been all kinds of stuff. And so that hunger and thirst um, at times was not very comfortable. You know, it's yeah. like, I know I need to get up and be in the Word, but I don't really want to this morning. I don't, you know, I don't really want to believe the Scripture. Um, but then there were other times I was like, yes, this is it. Like, we have mm. a new lease on life. We've got a new marriage. So I don't want to be, like, uh, painting it all daisies and rainbows because it, it wasn't all the time, but it was like a, a choice. Yeah. And then when you get in that flow, the Lord will take you, but then He's going he's gonna to make you want it sometimes. And we would have those times of, like, we've chosen this. We know what it means to go backwards, and we're not going to go backwards. Mm. And for me, I don't know how the Lord did it, Nate. I really don't. But it was like, it was like he helped me see this sexual sin thing. You know, a lot of people want to get through it and just like, especially wives, we just want to be like, I don't even want to talk about pure life. I don't even want to talk about what happened. I just want to like move forward and pretend like it didn't happen. But for me, somehow God made it a part of our lives in such a way that we celebrated what he had done. We didn't want to just forget it. And I think that increased the hunger and the thirst because we knew it was because of him. It wasn't what we mm. did. And it wasn't like we wanted to close the gate on that so fast. Sometimes we did, but as a whole, I feel like that fed the hunger and thirst. But even now, I mean, it's a choice to be hungry and thirsty every day yeah. here 15 years later. It's not like we have it mastered. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's interesting how the one thing that is the crisis kind of almost like creates a crack, you know, yeah. in our heart and makes us willing to say, okay, mm -hmm. Lord, do what you want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And then... He starts to do what he wants to do, yeah. which is to just bring 
His light into every area of our life, not just, I need your help with this, God. Can you please take care of this so that I can just move on with my happy life? But like, what does he want? You know, for me, when I was willing to say, I have a problem in this area, would you please help me? He started saying, okay, yep, I will. And we need to deal with all this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I didn't even know that was there. <laughs> right. You know? But what you're saying, I, I really relate to, it ruined me yeah. because it mm-hmm. it was kind of twofold for me, where I saw my life is a mess in a lot of ways, and Jesus is life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've gotta have him. Right. And it like created a drive in mm-hmm. my life that you know I yeah it has never really quite it's just never really gone away yeah mm-hmm. yeah and when you're hungering and thirsting for the things of God right it's it changes your whole palate so we have a sign over our back door that says Jesus is better and we put it there specifically for this reason when you walk outside our door and you go out into the world, you're gonna see some pretty things. We've seen some great sunsets, we've great, taken great trips, we've had great experiences, right? But over our door, it says Jesus is better. So no matter whatever you experience out there in a normal daily life or vacation or whatever, Jesus is better. And that's because he revealed that to us mm-hmm. in our struggle and continues to reveal that in us. And so that that is so I'm just so thankful for God for doing that because we hear the word ruined and we think a negative yeah. tone to it, yeah. right? But in, it's in but it's not. It's a beautiful thing. And the Bible, you know, talks about transforming. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me is is what happens when you're seeking, is that he transforms what was satisfying to you at one time now can't. And all you want is that living water over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the, maybe to make it sort of practical or down to earth, um, like what would you say are some things that you, in the early days, like you saw this area is not right. And I see that Jesus is very different than me. Like I'm hungry to have him come in and change me the way I think or act. What were maybe some specific things was like, I, I need his righteousness to come into me. Well, how long you got? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, when the light gets shown on your life, you start seeing a lot of things like you're saying. But I think for me, and maybe, you know, a lot of wives can relate, when your husband comes home, you really begin to see like how much you still don't like him because of the sin, the hurt, and the pain. So for me, you're asking, you know, like right after, for me, it was like, am I going to allow this process to be carried beyond the forgiveness, to trust, to respect? Am I going to bow my knee to what the Lord wants? So for me, it was an exposure of like, I really, I really like being in control, <laughs> mm. you know. And I and I and Sean will probably agree. I am pretty much a independent woman, and I and I like to be in control. And so I, right away, the Lord began exposing that in me of like, you need me, you need me, you need to lay down the self-sufficiency, you know, and you need to trust me, and you need to be in my word. And then again, it was 
You did all this while you were in counseling in the crisis. Are you going to carry that hunger and thirst over? So practically speaking, am I going to still get up and have my quiet time? Even when I'm not in crisis, when I'm not desperate, Mm. am I going to continue to cry out to the Lord when I see things? So I don't necessarily know if it was like one area. It seemed like every area is like whack-a-mole, right? (laughs) I got one mole down. Here comes another one. And it was like... I don't know, Lord. Like, I don't know when this is going to end. And, and as believers, it won't right. end till we go to heaven. Mm, yeah. um, so, and, and now continuing on, every season's a little bit different. You know, I've been through really deep depression, and the Lord did something different then than He did when we were going through sexual sin. And then, mm-hmm. of course, having children. And, you know, we got one going to college. It's, it, these seasons always bring out things that you need the Lord to work on. Right. It's kind of like once you once you see the Lord work and and you change, you can't unsee it anymore. And so for me, uh, one of the biggest things was to just stop trying to talk my way out of situations. Yeah, you know, when we got out of that and uh, getting through the crisis about a year later or whatever, I'd find myself still just kind of bobbing and weaving, talking, trying to control her reaction by what I said, and it had nothing to do with sexual sin. Just you know, I, I wanted to do something around the house. And I didn't know what her reaction was. I wanted to play golf or play basketball or something like that. And I was like, how is she going to respond to that? So I'd create these little, like, tales. Just or Just manipulating, right? Yeah, yeah, And so the Lord was like, stop. Just stop. Here's what you're doing. And, and I was like, wow, Lord, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was all tangled in like that together. I mean, you, you, you see some of it, but when, you, when you're not in that major crisis and you're just doing life again, you, it creeps back up, like you said, the whack-a-moles. And in that case, it was just stop shucking and jiving, stop manipulating, man. Just be honest, be truthful mm. in explaining what what's going on in your inner world, because there's still something in there that still wants to block off some of that in your inner man that has been exposed, but it's, you still want to hold on to that. Mm-hmm. So the Lord really got a hold of us, me, uh, pretty early after that to just say, you need to live in the light even more and stop trying to control situations. Yeah. And I think we can, yeah, all of us can relate. Like, it's nothing like it was 15 years ago mm-hmm. in terms of just the chaos, the confusion, the darkness, the all of that. Um, so much of that has is kind of in the past. But the, the spirit of wanting His righteousness shouldn't go away. Right. Like, we shouldn't get to a place where it's like, okay, I'm good, like, there's nothing to work on. There's nothing, no more knowledge of God that I want to pursue. I'm happy with the way I'm, I am. You know, I think that's what yeah. has to remain with us is right. that, that desire. Yeah. The, the scripture that, as you were sharing, the, the scripture came to mind was that God is faithful to complete the work in you in which he started. Hmm. And the work that he started in me and our marriage was not just to be free from sexual sin. It was to be more like him, and he is faithful. So you talk about how do you keep going forward? It's his faithfulness that propels us to do it. Mm. So when those kind of uh, I, I liken it to um, pilots and flight, the flight deck and all, and these alarms start going off. And some of the alarms that start going off are, you know, you start getting slack in your your Bible reading time. You you kind of don't have a desire to just. Worship the Lord because it's a Tuesday morning. I mean, little things that go off like that are red flags that say, mm, 
something, check engine lights coming on, right? Or you go to worship and at church and you start looking at other people rather than entering into worship, right? There's all kind of things that can distract, but really you kind of yourself see, hey, I'm not as hungry. And that's when you go back to asking God, make me hungry again, make me mm. desperate. And then that's when he says, okay, I will, I'm faithful to complete the work. Mm. Mm. I think you see it in light of eternity too. We haven't really talked about that, but like when you get a picture of our world and you get a picture of what's going on, you see this hunger and thirst is actually like for others so that I can have something eternal to impart to those I'm around. You start to see like if this is really what all it is, well, this is kind of terrible. <laughs> mm. But when you hunger and thirst and you get a taste of that, you start saying, it's really true. I need to let people know this, you know, like this is eternal. It's got an eternal weight to it. That's a great switch when it's flipped and it doesn't always stay on, but when you can really keep it on and really keep that in the foremost of your mind, and it's just like James, count it all joy, whatever trials you go through. I mean, you know, you're <laughs> unfortunately, you're either going into a trial or you're coming out of one, it seems like, and that's probably because we don't, I, I'll just speak for myself, I don't get it very quickly. You know, I'm a little hard-headed. So it takes some trials, it takes some like, you know, hello, wake up moments. But but the outcome, Jesus always reveals more of himself to us. And so I don't yes, I don't want you to I don't want exactly. us to I don't want to um, paint the picture that we're always doom and gloom in it because no. it's no. it's not that at all. I mean the trials that we go through, we say they're trials. They're opportunities for us to communicate better. Uh, so I want to be careful with how I, I share the word trial. Some of them are more difficult and more altering than others, but but really is some of a trial could be, you know, we just you know, haven't been sleeping well or stress of work or things like that that we go through. Those are opportunities for us to ask God to keep Him the priority and the focus. That's helpful. Well, it's like working out, right? You work out so you get stronger. It's a good thing. It's yeah. good adversity. And then that makes you hungry physically. I'm just, you know, this analogy oh, yeah. can be used in so many ways. It's the same thing with everyday life. You know, we're not talking about doom and gloom, but we yeah. are talking about, you know, can, you can have hard things happen for sure. But then maybe the Lord just wants to you to grow in the knowledge of His love. You know, what, what a blessing. Yeah. And, and that's true. Yeah. So it, it, he's, he's so good because He's so balanced. We're not, you know. We hear trial and we're like, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. But for him, he's so balanced. He has yeah. justice and love, and it's a perfect balance all the time. Love and mercy, yeah, all the time. Yeah. So let's um, let's finish up the conversation by talking a little bit about. Again, let's bring it. Let's bring it right into the home, um, because to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness means that. That's like a focus, you know? You yeah. are focused on, I want God's righteousness in my life. And, you know, the truth is, America is a busy place. And mm -hmm. if you've got kids and you've got a career and you've got friends, you know, it can easily sort of crowd God out to the place where you're just kind of content to live life and day after day after day right. it goes on. How do you guys keep that focus of being seeking His righteousness in the midst of you know, just busy life. Yeah. For for husbands, me, uh, I'll speak for that, as a, but husbands I've counseled to before <laughs> have, have shared about boxes and how guys tend to keep everything in boxes. And so the busyness of life, the kids, the work, 
the church, all of the things, the volunteering are in their own separate boxes. And God has his box. God has his box. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, what we try to do, because that's the temptation. That's a temptation to just box it up. Just I, I don't know if it's a wiring thing. I don't, I don't know how to ask yeah. for it one day. But part of what we try to do as a family is to talk about God a lot. Uh, God is not just at Christmas or Easter or yeah. even just at the dinner table. We try to find ways to celebrate Jesus in the smallest details possible. And that's simply by thanking the Lord when something happens good. Mm-hmm. Um, we praise the Lord. We say, you know, praise the Lord. And, um, and it's not just a saying thing. It really is just trying to bring him in to our family so our kids can see it, so our friends can see it. So if anybody comes to our house can experience the presence of God because that's what we pray for for our home. We ask that God would show up in our house and be a refuge for people to just rest um, and enjoy fellowship. And we had fantastic times of fellowship and love and hard conversations. And so the busyness of life is there. That is a real pull. Um, It really is from entertainment to work to all kinds of things is a pull. But she and I are united on putting God at the forefront of every decision. That that includes the schedules. That includes um, our activities that we're doing as individuals and the kids, what they're doing, and just how our family operates. Just like a computer has an operating system, our family has an operating system too, and its first line of code is the Lord, you know, mm. and talking about Him and sharing about Him and testifying about Him, introducing people to Him, especially our kids, uh, and then a refuge and extension of the kids that come over to the house. Mm-hmm. So that's really, um, it's important to us because He's as real as these chairs that we're sitting in. Mm. Yeah. I think it's it's a fight, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, we've got three kids, both working. It's it's a fight, and and even with good things, like, oh, go serve in this way or go on this trip and serve. So it's not just like the pull of the world. It can be good things at church. It can yeah. be good times together. But for us, I find the big areas are always how are we spending our time, how are we spending our money, you know? Mm-hmm. And like you can pretty much trace back what we're really putting priority on in those areas. And then like Sean's saying, talking about him and not just keeping it for Sunday and being real, especially with kids. Kids usually yeah. can call you out and say, mm, you ain't really living what you're saying, you know? They're right. your greatest accountability. Yeah. But being able to be real with them and say, I'm really struggling or, you know, show them how to repent, you know, going to them. Sorry, I was like really short with you. Or I'm sorry we haven't made it a priority to be together as a family. I and mean, we struggle with that. Um, but I think keeping it the main things, the most important things. And then I, you know, I've mentioned this before, like being weird. Like we, you know, it's kind of like when you, when we're talking about you're, you're ruined for Jesus, Mm -hmm. you're also weird for (laughs) Jesus. Because at that point, you have to make some choices not to engage in some things or entertainment, to look at your entertainment, to look at how you spend your money, to look at what you say yes to, you know, Mm. um, how committed are you to your local body of Christ? So you got to be willing to say no and be weird. And our kids haven't always liked that. We haven't always liked correct. it. That's <laughs> Sometimes I'll call him weird. He'll call me weird. So, I mean, I think it's always you've, you've got to have your anchor in the Lord and you have to be honest about it and let him really be who you say he is mm. to you. 
you gotta, I mean, you, you gotta be transparent. And at one point it's the rubber meets the road. You either live it or you don't. Right. And I think that's what the Lord keeps, he keeps pushing on us in a good way. And I think that's for every believer. If they really want that, the Lord's gonna give it to them. Mm. And I don't want it sometimes, but we keep going no. back because we know the alternative is back to status quo. And I don't, we don't want that. Yeah. You, you mentioned something that that um, is important is I want to be clear, like we're not perfect at this, no. all right? We are not. And we have had to repent a lot to each other and to our kids. And, um, hey, man, we shouldn't have done that, or our priorities are out of whack, or we're going too much here. My bad. I made the mistake, right? I, I'm pushing us too hard. I, I didn't put the gate. <laughs> I didn't stop us, right? So I'm repenting. But acknowledging that brings that realness in. And so that's something transparent that's super important about seeking the righteousness because they see our failures. We, we know each other's failures. And the fact is that using our kids, for example, like, we love our children. We, we love them, right? We want the best for them. But when they mess up or, you know, is this dangerous for them, there's got to be some correction in that. But I want that correction to point them to God's righteousness, not just, hey, we said so. So how do we live it out in our life is teaching through those moments of when we blow it to say, but God in his mercy and applying the gospel and letting the kids see the gospel through being manifested itself through everyday life hmm. and trying to look for ways in which it does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like what we've been basically saying this whole time, which is that God has a, he's got a way that he is. Yeah. And when we see that we're not like him, wherever that is in the way I speak, our time or our money or our relationships or what we watch or what we listen to, or then that's the time to come before him and just like in humble repentance, change me. Yeah. Keep giving me your righteousness, you know? Yeah. And mm -hmm. there's what other option do we have? Yeah. Just go back to just like relying on ourselves and living however we would choose to live. I mean, that is just disaster. Yeah. yeah. For anybody who has seen the Lord work, and I know maybe people watching this or listening to this hasn't got to that point, and maybe you're still in crisis mode, right? Mm. But God can pull you through that trial and give you what we're describing here. Mm. He can. There's no one that's off limits for what we're talking about here. It's his, his love surpasses all of our understanding that no one is exempt from what we're describing. And it's our heart that they would continue to fight through, that they would push through, they would not give up. Because at the end of the day, the Lord never gives up on us to pull us to his righteousness. There's something along the lines, we, we pull the chute. And we're like, that's enough, I pull the chute. And man, I, I just, I'm just thankful for the Lord that he has done in our life. And we've seen it with so many people uh, that they have seen the same thing, they've tasted the same thing, and uh, but it, it really is Him that has to do it, mm -hmm. and is faithful to do it. All right, that's it for this episode. And hey, if you're just joining us, again, this is episode four in our series, and the episodes do build on each other, so I hope that you could catch up on those first episodes before next week's show. The other thing I wanted to let you know is that we based this series on Pastor Jeff Colon's book, From Ashes to Beauty. 
So I'd really encourage you to get a copy of that book for both you and your spouse because the book has a lot of content in it that we're not touching on in this series. Also, there's a lot of additional content in the back of the book, like personal reflection questions for each chapter so that you and your spouse could write down things that God is showing you as you go throughout the book. There's also a bunch of stuff in the appendices, like topical Bible studies and worksheets that would help you and your spouse apply biblical principles to your marriage. So, all in all, I just hope that you would take advantage of that resource. All right, that's it. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.